Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. Well, good morning, good morning, and a pleasant good Monday morning to each and every one of you. Hope you had a great weekend. We welcome you, as always, to Off the Bench, presented by our good friends from United Dairy Farmers. I'm Tom Brenneman. We come your way Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to noon Eastern time. You can find us multiple ways on YouTube slash Chatterbox Sports. We always ask you, please, if you're able to subscribe to the program, you can also find us streaming on Facebook. That's a Chatterbox Sports page. Many of you, according to Paul and Casey, are downloading the podcast. Wherever you find your podcast, please search off the bench with Tom Brenneman and you're dialed in. We begin with baseball. Spring training games got started over the weekend. For the Reds, they got a win on Saturday. Thanks to 2021 Matt McLean's game-ending home run in the ninth inning. Here it is. This was in Goodyear, Arizona against the Cleveland Guardians. Not a bad way for that young man to make his quote-unquote professional debut. Spring training, albeit. So congratulations to Matt McLean. Yesterday, the Reds gave up five runs over the final two innings in a 7-6 loss to the Giants. That was over at beautiful Scottsdale Stadium in Arizona. If you ever go to Arizona and you want to go to one spring training game, that is the place to go. Scottsdale, Arizona. Trust me. Star press box uh, Ellie De La Cruz made his first start. Went 0 for 3. Did not get a run with a fielder's choice ground out. Reds host the Texas Rangers at 3 o'clock today in Goodyear, Arizona. But game scores were not the big story in baseball. Front and center, without a doubt, would be the new pitch clock and the new rules being implemented to baseball this season with goals of a increasing the pace of play, which it did to open up holes by banning the shift, which it did. And by making the players understand that the league and the umpires are going to enforce the rules regardless of game situation. Amen to that. Did you see the end of the Braves Red Sox game on Saturday? Bottom of the ninth, tie game, bases loaded, three balls, two strikes. This is the stuff you dream about in your backyard when you're playing wiffle ball with all your buddies, right? All right, what happens? Take a look at this. Bases loaded, three and two to count. Two down in the inning. Pitcher with a, and all of a sudden the batter's called out. That's right, strike three. The batter was called out on strike three for not being in the box and ready to hit within the allotted eight seconds. There's been a lot of talk about this pitch clock. Very little talk about the batter. If the pitcher has to throw it in 15 seconds with no one on, 20 seconds with a runner on, the batter has to be in the box ready to hit in eight seconds. Now, they stopped the game at that point. Naturally, in the regular season, they would go to extra innings, not in spring training. But the new rules are going to be fascinating to watch once this regular season begins. We'll have Marty Brenneman coming up in a matter of moments. Since he can't join us on Wednesday, he joins us today to get his impressions on what went on this weekend. Meanwhile, Padres third baseman Manny Machado signs an 11-year, $350 million deal to stay in San Diego. Now, Machado had already been given a long-term deal, but said he recently planned to opt out of the final five years with $150 million remaining on the deal. Now he has a new one that will run until he's 41 years old. 
Major League Baseball Players Union head Tony Clark said baseball can put together all the committees they like to reform baseball's economics. But one thing his players will never, he were never agreed to, is a salary cap. The other three professional sports, the NBA, the NFL, and the NHL, all have salary caps as part of its economic system. In football, it's officially draft season. Starting tomorrow, the NFL Combine begins at Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis, Indiana. If you want to watch some of it, the NFL Network begins its coverage on March the 2nd, and that runs through March the 6th. What will the Bengals do with the 28th pick? There's no consensus among the thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, of mock drafts out there. And speaking of the draft, ESPN's reporting today, the Chicago Bears are more than open to trading the very first pick in the draft for multiple players. The last time that happened was 2016, when the Rams traded from the 15th pick, moved up to number one, and chose quarterback Jared Goff that year. College basketball, UC lost yesterday at Memphis by 376-73, fell behind big early, got close, couldn't get over the hump. Bearcats are now 19-11 on the year, fourth place in the American Conference standings. UC plays its final game of the season. That'll be Sunday at home against SMU. We'll talk later with Paul about Xavier. Might have been its most impressive win of the season without Zach Fremantle and all. Just destroyed Seton Hall on Friday night, 82-60. Sule Boom, 23 points. Musketeers, 21-8. Now Marquette won over the weekend. So Marquette still leads X by two full games with two to go. The Muskies are tied for second with Providence. And those two teams play in Rhode Island this coming Wednesday night. All their local teams, I don't know what in the world happened in Oxford. Miami shocks Ohio University how they don't come to play. I don't get it. Don't look now. We've been talking about them. Here they come. The Big Blue. Cow! Kentucky caps a monster week with an 86-54 drilling of Auburn at Rupp Arena. Cats now 20-9 on the year. They're in. They're in. They currently sit in third place in the Southeastern Conference. Top five. Houston, Alabama, Kansas, all winners. KU barely got by our buddy Huggy in Lawrence by two. Number five, Purdue. Lost for the second time this season to in-state rival Indiana, 79-71. Purdue might be falling out of a number one seed. North Carolina, keeping its postseason hopes, NCAA hopes, alive. With a stunner, blowing out number six, Virginia at the Dean Dome. Did you see the end of the Arizona-Arizona State game? This is big time here. Take a look at this. All right? One-point game, now two-point game. Arizona State inbound the ball. Look at the bottom here. Catch, two steps, launch, and got it. Impressive. How sweet is that? Bobby Hurley has <laughs> got it going on with the Sun Devils. That was just unbelievable. And yesterday, Mick Cronin and UCLA going to 25-4 and on the year, beating Colorado on the road in Boulder, 60-56. NBA news, how about the night for Damon Lillard of the Portland Trailblazers? 71 points, 71 in the win over Houston. And in soccer, Casey was dialed in. Absolutely. 
100% dialed in. FC Cincinnati started its season with a win over the Houston Dynamo at sold-out TQL Stadium Saturday night. Two won the final, over 25,000 on hand. Many believe FC Cincinnati is a title contender. They win for the first time in franchise history in its first game of an MLS season. All right, boys, how are we looking today? Casey, you were sitting there watching that entire two-to-one shootout. Oh, yeah. You watched the whole thing. Start the to whole finish. thing, start to finish. Um, I have a couple of different thoughts. I thought um, Barial played great. Um, I've, I've been harping on him for a long time. You can ask my fiance, Alex. Ask her in the Discord because uh, she'll, she'll answer there in the FCC uh, column there. But, yeah, I mean, I thought they played really well. Offense picked back up right where they left off. I think the defense, offense picked up where it left off with two goals. Two yeah. goals, baby. Yeah, they were. Is so, that like an 80-point game in a college basketball game? If you score 82 goals, the equivalent no. in a football game? But the possession, that's the real key factor there. The percentage of and No possession, doubt about it. Possession's I a big deal. You can't score if you don't have the ball. No, and it was <laughs> FC had 69% or 68% possession in that game, and it didn't feel like it. But they just dominated the ball. I mean, they didn't let Houston really have a chance to create any offense except for um, one mistake, I think, towards the end. That just, you know, that one goal, um, that really killed them there. Uh, but, I mean, other than that, I felt like they totally dominated that game, honestly. I think they, there's still a little bit of questions to be had on the defensive end. Um, I think they still need a center back. Um, I'm not the biggest fan of Haglin, but I, Whoa! I, I don't Savior guy, come I, on. I, I, I like, I like him because he's been there for a long time. Now see but, Casey, I'm going to make a suggestion. Okay. Yeah. I don't mean to interrupt you. Yeah, go ahead. But here's what we have to do. We're going to have to run down Pat Brennan or somebody who covers FC regularly. Okay. Yep. Cause I want to start basically since I just found out a little while ago, this season only runs until November. Yeah. I mean, seriously, they play like, what, 30-something games? Yeah. And they play till November? Well, the That's longer the than a baseball season. The playoffs, the, the MLS season stretches I, to It's November, still longer but... than a baseball season. Yeah. yeah. It is longer than the baseball season. That is a fact. And they only play, I need you to find it. Okay. I'll, I'll look I'm it up getting ahead you. of myself. We need you, if you're going to start making reference to certain players, okay? Okay. And I mean serious about this, yeah. okay? Because uh, I'm going to try to embrace this whole thing. Okay. All right? I played soccer in high school. Yeah. All right? I played on a team that got to a state championship game, and we lost to Clayton Northmont right up the road here in the state championship game, okay? I was on the bench, but I was <laughs> on the team. Um, so I like soccer. Yeah. But if we're going to start talking about soccer on this show, when you start making reference, like Paul just said, Xavier guy, okay? Now, I have no idea who you're talking about. You need to inform our viewers and listeners who you're talking about so we can monitor these cats as the season goes on. Okay. So who are you talking about? Nick Haglin is the right back, right uh, defensive back. Haglund, H-A-G-L-A-N-D. Uh, G-G-L-U-N-D, but Okay. Because I, I thought maybe uh, for a second that was part of the Gorilla Glue family. Oh, no, no. I think that, no, that's Raglan. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like, like I mean, right. 
Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, out of all the defensive backs, I think he's the most sturdy, most stout guys. Um, it's just they're they're not sound. They're, they've got holes there. And I don't know if that's more of a defensive philosophy or if they can play to a different a different scheme that would benefit them. But as of right now, the strength of the team, just to give you a heads up, is the offense. The offense is great. Um, Barial playing like he did. Who? Barial. Barial. That's a first name, a last name, or two names? In soccer, you just need one name, Tom. It's just the last name. Okay. But Barial, uh, he, he played really, really good. He's the left. Is Pele a first name or a last name? Who? Pele, the recently deceased who? Pele. Please don't tell me you just said who. Because if you just said who, I'm never asking for your soccer opinion again. Let's just move on. Let's pretend. Go to Marty. Let's that. just go to Marty. That falls in the ex-professional realm. I'm okay, an so FCC guy. Even worse. I'm an FCC Casey, he's guy. the best soccer player of all time. Arguably. Unless you want to say Messi. Okay, Good. so go ahead. Bariel, is that who you said? Yeah. And he sounds like the princess in Disney, Ariel, but go ahead. Bariel, Acosta, um, Brenner played half the match, and uh, Vasquez. Those four guys, I think, are really going to be the key factor in this season going forward. Their offense is picking back up right where they left off, just kind of like what I said. And if they continue to play like they did, they'll be fine. But it's just the defense. They, they, they got to figure out something to where they keep giving up these quick um, quick scores. They, 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 they break down too easily in the back. Um, I don't know what needs to happen there. I don't know if it's, a like I said, a formational thing that needs to change or what. Um, but, yeah, that, those are my thoughts okay. as of right now. Barrial's playing great. I love to see that. Uh, I want to and his name, the by game. the way, is Alvaro Barriel, an Argentinian soccer player. Let's get you a jersey, yeah. Tom. Let's get what? you a jersey. Let's get you a jersey. Unlikely, but go ahead. Unlikely. And, um, yeah, I, 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 I thought with him playing like he did, that's really a good sign. Um, if he's really developed um, and improved, I think that the offense will probably be one of the top scoring offenses again this year. So. Okay. All right. Well, it was brought to my attention. I was wondering about the length. And the player formerly known as Mouse Cop says, well, the reason it's so long is because there's international breaks. Yeah. And the MLS takes a month off for the League's Cup, as you pointed out, in the summer. Yeah. How is a fan supposed to follow that? I, I'm asking, I'm being very serious. I'm not, I'm not being a wise guy when I ask this question. When, when you start and you start getting into your team, whatever the sport is, and you're really into it and you're following it and you can't wait for the next game and anticipation and a big game coming up and whatever it might be, and then all of a sudden it goes away for a month. Then you come back maybe for a little while, and then all of a sudden the players disperse to points all over the globe, right? Yeah. To play in whatever it is they play in or whoever it's for. And then all of a sudden, you know, there's nothing now for another whatever it is. Well, they, they do play. I mean, they have four matches in July, four matches in June. Like, they, they play, but there are, uh, I guess, I don't want to say, like, they play, they play more in May and April than they do in June and July. 
Um, so I, I, I don't really know. I'm not I, – I casually follow FC Cincinnati. My only experience with FC over the weekend. Uh, I did want to watch it. We actually almost went to the game. Um, but then we went to Buffalo Wings and Rings instead, and we were watching all the college basketball on Saturday night. How late and was this? Oh, this was like 7 o'clock. This oh, was like okay. right when FC was starting. Okay. So we went we – you know, we were trying to watch Indiana-Purdue. We were catching the end of right. Marty's North Carolina game. All right. that was happening. So we are like, let's find all the TVs. We go to Buffalo Wings and Rings. 7 o'clock hits, 7.30 hits, whatever. Boom. Every TV, all 50 TVs in the whole restaurant went to FC Cincinnati. I had a Purdue couple sitting behind me that were there watching Purdue and Indiana. They turned the one TV in the corner over back to the Indiana-Purdue game. So we all huddled around that. Did there seem to be a lot of people that were actually tuned into watching it or was just put on and nobody I think really it was just put on. Well, or? it's because it's the, the Apple TV thing. So I think they just sort of like go, they had to go off a cable and then get into the Apple TV. Like, cause all right, so it, let me ask you a question. Do you do, – because um, – um, the MLS just signed this huge new agreement television deal with Apple, right? Yes. Right. Okay, so um, we have it. I don't pay attention to it. Uh, Apple TV. So um, you have to pay for Apple TV. Yeah. Do you then have to pay like you would, say, like extra innings or something like that? You yes. have to pay yes. an additional charge to get the whole MLS package. Is that the deal? Yes, that's the deal. Okay. And so I there are no FC Cincinnati games on quote-unquote regular over-the-air free television. No. Right? Nope, it's all streamed. No. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Now, I, I would like to clarify because I just was corrected, and this means it's more impressive to me. FC had 38% of the possession. I flipped it. Houston had 62, and they still had 14 shots compared yeah. to their 19 when Houston had 62% of the possessions. So, I mean, it, it's a good win. Yeah, it's a good win. Um, and if you look at the, the box score, you can tell. I mean, FC had six saves, um, hardly had any corner kicks. So it makes sense. The numbers all make sense there. Um, they just they have a really good offense, and they're still some, somewhat struggling on defense. Okay. All right. All right. It, it's pointed out to me, again, uh, the player formerly known as Mouse Cop, MLS season pass is separate. You don't need to buy Apple TV and the season pass. And by the way, Paul, Wings and Rings are partnered. Okay, then that makes sense. So there you go. It was wild that literally every TV, and then they switched a couple back to a couple of the games. But, like, Dayton had a minute left. We were watching the Dayton-George Mason game. Did they win? No, they lost. They they had a minute left. It was a tie game. And then it just went off, and we were like, wow, what are we doing? What I do know is that uh, FC package is right now at, like, 80 bucks. I just paid for it with uh, help split um, with my uh, father-in-law. Uh, we just split that together. So it's like 80 bucks. If you want to watch the whole season, that includes every MLS game, apparently. So you can watch all of them if you want for 80 bucks. Does season. that come uh, like an on-demand kind of deal? Where if you miss a game, I guess you can just tape it, right? You can, yeah, you can go back and watch it. Um, <laughs> yeah, you can go back and watch it. Yeah. Well, um, I was, uh, Marty Brenneman apparently was, uh, was dialed into, <laughs> oh, hey. Hey, how are you? I'm all right. How you doing? <laughs> Not too bad. Alfaro Barrial. How about that? I'm all over it, man. Did you watch any of the FC Cincinnati game on Saturday? I know you were driving back from Ashland, Kentucky, but did you have it tuned in? They're on the radio, local radio. They just I know they a are. Deal. Let, let me preface my answer by 
uh, explaining to you that I ran into a couple the other day, people I didn't know, they recognized me, or the man did, and the woman almost embarrassingly said to me, I'm not a baseball fan. I'm sorry I did not recognize you. And I said to her what I say to all people, you know, not everybody can be a baseball fan. And that doesn't bother me. And I don't think any less of you, and you don't have to apologize. That's my take on soccer. That's my take. If, and you know, God bless the people that like the sport. I don't think it'll ever be what they want it to be because of the lack of scoring in it. Um, and so I'm not a fan and I never have been a fan and never will be a fan. Just like I'm not an ice hockey fan. I'm I like, I'm the steak and potatoes. I'm baseball, football, basketball, and, and, and golf stops there. And lacrosse. Alfaro Barrial, though, lacrosse. I'll pay attention to him. And lacrosse. I'm sorry. Absolutely. I have a vested interest in that sport. Thank God there's a member of the Brenneman family that has a scintilla of athletic ability. And he's got more than that, but it ain't much more. There's nothing more than that outside of someone named Luke Brenneman. Well, Polly Brenneman was a runner at Notre Dame. I mean, she's got. Well, and I apologize for that. She, that's right. Very athletic. That's obviously where Luke gets his ability from because he sure as hell didn't get it from me, nor does he get it from Bingo. <laughs> All right, hey, we were talking at the very beginning. We let off the show with baseball, and, you know, we can talk about the outcome of games and that kind of thing, and that's fine. They're spring training games. But the real story, without a doubt, uh, the rule changes. Yes. I mean right from the get-go, Dad, right from the start. We are seeing an impact, not only in a little bit of weight, but a huge, as far as the time of the game. Let's start there. You and I both know, you've forgotten more about it than I'll know. Most of the time in recent years, you go to a spring training game, and with all the pitching changes and the player movement and so forth, you're looking at three hours, 310, 320, whatever it might be. I mean, these games are in the 220s, 230s, 240s. Well, I mean, yesterday's Reds game, they lose 7-6. to six to the San Francisco Giants, uh, 25 hits in the game, 13 runs, and it was two hours and 43 minutes. I mean, that game is 320, 325 all over it with a number of pitchers that worked in the game. And it's especially amazing in spring training because at least from a Reds perspective, and I think probably a lot of other teams, I think the Giants were similar yesterday. You got a different pitcher every inning here in the first round of games. Then you bump a guy up to two innings, and then after a while he's three, and then he's ready to go. Um, but I would remind people that I said a year and a half ago, a year and a half ago, that if they ever implement the pitch clock, it will make a radical difference. We've seen it in the minor leagues, and I really don't know why people are surprised that it's working as well as it is at the major league level. Um, I, I've been very impressed. Uh, the game has taken on a certain energy that it has not had in recent years. And I think it's going to be the greatest single thing that uh, I basically I think an inept uh, hierarchy uh, in Major League Baseball has, has hit upon. And that is a pitch clock. And I think it's going to be an incredible success. 
You know, the thing I didn't realize, and it's shame on me, I, 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 I had paid so much attention to all the different rule changes, and we're going to stick with the pitch clock part of it here for just a second and get to a couple of other ones. But the, but the batter being ready to hit within eight seconds, I think that's every bit as important. You tell me if you agree or disagree. I think that's every bit as important as a pitcher throwing it with 15 seconds with nobody on or 20 seconds with a runner on. No, I agree with that too. Um, and, and what has amazed me is that when you consider the incredibly radical workings of a hitter because of the pitch clock, more so him, I think, than the pitchers, really, um, there have been not that many infractions. And, and I've been, you know, we had one game that was a walk-off uh, uh, strike three on Saturday that ended a game. Uh, so I, I just think that the way the players have approached it, they should be congratulated. Uh, obviously, guys that have spent the last however many years in Major League Baseball and have not been a part of what's gone on in an experimental sense in the minor leagues to prepare the big league players for this, they have prepared themselves mentally. Uh, there have been very few, I think 1.76 infractions through the first two games of, or at least through Saturday and Sunday uh, to begin the, the spring training games. Uh, I think it's marvelous. I, and I congratulate the players and, and everybody involved with getting these guys ready and making them understand, as we talked about last week, the umpires have been instructed, don't give anybody any break at all. If there is an infraction, call it to get them ready for when it really will count. And, and I think that's uh, that's everybody should be congratulated after the first uh, weekend of spring training games with the way this thing is has gone on uh, with so few infractions to begin the spring training schedule. You know, one of the things that, that I wondered about beforehand, and it caught my eye in the Reds game on Saturday, I believe it was. I'm, I'm sure it was Saturday where, you know, there all of a sudden is a strategy that if teams really pay attention to what's going on, and you have to have players and managers and coaches that are all really focused on how many times a guy's thrown over to a base, whatever it might be. But Jonathan India had the wherewithal, and I think you're going to start to see this if players and teams are smart, where they recognize the situation, they're looking up at the pitch clock, and they realize as that thing whittles down, to three, two, and now all of a sudden they can take off to steal the base. India stole third base without even a throw down there. And I think that's something that teams can really take advantage of from a strategy standpoint now moving forward. It'll be interesting to see some of these little things that can kind of be arteries that bleed off the main vein of these different rules. Uh, yeah, I don't disagree with that at all. But by the same token, though, Tom, I found it very interesting yesterday in the Reds game. Buck Farmer was pitching in relief. Um, I forget who the hitter was that's immaterial uh, to the to what happened. And he's ready to go. He is set to go. I think there were uh, – the clock was approaching 15 seconds, and the plate umpire was not even behind the plate yet. Sherwater was his, is his name. He had He was just casually walking up to home plate. And here Buck Farmer is, and he's ready to go as per the, the new rule. And now the umpire is not at the plate. And this is the type of thing that's going to – and Farmer, a very bright guy, made the comment. He said, <clears throat> no matter how prepared you think you are, from a player perspective, 
from a uh, managerial expect, uh, perspective, from an umpire's perspective, there are going to be chinks in the armor. And there was a meeting after the inning ended. I think David Bell was out there. Uh, Buck Farmer was there with the plate umpire. And I think the plate umpire realized he screwed up. Mm-hmm. And he was not ready. With all the emphasis being on the pitcher and the catcher, he was not ready when the pitcher and the catcher were. So I think you're going to see an awful lot of things come into play um, that maybe we've not seen yet. We've been so uh, complimentary about the way things have gone, and, and justifiably so. But I still think there's going to be more to come uh, on on some of these rules, if not every one of them. All right, let me ask you, shifting gears a little bit, uh, to the um, the Manny Machado deal. He was given, uh, I believe it was, a 10-year contract for $300 million a while back or whatever it might be at five years left at 150 million. He had said he's going to opt out at the end of the year. He gets a new deal, 11 years. He's 30 years old, 11 years, $350 million. That deal will carry him obviously till he's 41 years old. When, when did we get to the point where, um, where, where, where guys were given contracts and, and they're allowed to opt out, but a team is certainly never allowed to opt out. If all of a sudden a nope. guy gets hurt and he can't play again, you got to pay him for the next 10 years. Well, I, I don't <clears> – <throat> excuse me. <clears throat> I blame the owners for that. I mean, I don't feel sorry for them. If, if they're stupid enough to give a guy a contract with an opt-out in there, whenever it might be, and then and, and then they're faced with that type of situation, we're not ready, this guy's going to leave. We didn't think he would, but he is. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't feel sorry for them at all. They agreeably sign that contract and, and give Machado a, an option after X number of years. Uh, I don't feel sorry for them at all. I, I, I am constantly amazed that we are seeing teams continue to give guys 10-year contracts, um, especially a guy like, I don't give a damn how good Manny Machado is. I, you, that is absolute lunacy. And, and nobody learns from everybody that gets caught up in it. And if I, as a well-heeled owner, see you as a well-heeled owner giving a guy a contract like that, I've got no choice but to do it if I want to stay in the hunt. And so I, I, don't, I don't feel sorry for the owners giving these massive contracts out, and especially at the tail end of one, when a guy's got a year or two to go and he has clearly lost a lot of the abilities that allowed him to get that kind of contract to begin with, then he becomes a liability. You can't get rid of him because nobody else wants him. You can't trade him. Um, now, I don't feel sorry for them at all. I say God bless the players and the people that represent them are smart enough to get an owner to give a player a contract like that. And at the end of eight or nine years, whatever it is, and Manny Machado's got two years to go, and he's a – uh, a glimmer of what he had been on the day that he signed this contract. I don't want to hear people bitching and complaining because if you're with that ball club, because uh, he's no longer the player that he once was. You know, uh, Tony Clark, uh, the Major League Baseball Players Association, has opened up a satellite office out in Arizona. They're based out of New York City. Right. Tony Clark's a very smart guy. He's a very well-spoken sure guy. Is. Uh, he's a good man. Uh, he played with the Diamondbacks here for a year or two when I was still announcing the games. And I don't know how you don't like the guy if you spend any time around him. His job is the head of the Players Union. He's asked about it uh, over the weekend. 
this new economic reform committee that was formed by the baseball owners to try and look at the disparity between what, say, the Mets are spending and what the Oakland A's or Tampa Bay Rays or the Cincinnati Reds are spending. Uh, and where that goes, nobody knows. But Tony Clark comes out flatly and says, not a chance, never going to happen. Uh, no salary cap. We're never going to listen to it. Did you have any reaction to that? No, none. I, I, I'd have been shocked if he just said we'd be happy to sit down and talk to them about coming up with some type of cap that will be beneficial both to the player union and baseball ownership. Um, I don't. I, he, he's saying exactly what the head of a union should say. Uh, now, whether or not maybe he has some idea about how to work this thing out to put the game on on sounder ground, physically speaking, but uh, publicly speaking. I, I'm not, I was not shocked at all that he made that comment. Uh, and I think he'll be steadfast in his opinion if that is what he truly believes. I, the, the players had, I mean, the, the game has an incredible problem. Or at the end of that word, parenthesis, an S on the end of it. Um, I, I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know how you can come up with a model uh, from a, a fiscal standpoint that is going to be beneficial to this game more so than it is today. Um, I, I don't know what they're going to do. I, I think it's I think it's quite honestly, I think this committee that naturally Rob Manfred, uh, you know, pontifically announced, uh, I think it's all eyewash because I don't know what this group of people can come up with that will be acceptable as far as a union is concerned once they sit down at the end of this current contract and talk about what's going to be happening going forward. All right, let's shift gears now to what you spend most of your time doing uh, this time of the year, and that is college basketball. Your beloved North Carolina Tar Heels, Paul, they get a huge win over Virginia, but you were still saying off the air when Casey asked you, they're not getting in. That's what you said, Paul. No, they, they got to win the ACC tournament. I, I think you'd probably agree with that, Marty. I, I mean, Virginia's no, a good I do win. Not. But it's, what? I do not agree with that. You, you think they can I get in without winning Florida, the ACC tournament? I think if they beat Florida State tonight and they beat Duke in Chapel Hill on Saturday and they win the first game of the ACC, their first game of the ACC tournament, they're in. And I say that, and I hate to say it, but I think it's true. They're going to get in with three straight, three more wins on top of the two that they already have, and they're going to get in because they've got Tar Heels across the front of their uniform. Yeah, maybe. I, I, I think Don't back down, Paul. I, I just do don't, not back down. I, I don't think the committee values conference tournament wins as much as we seem to think that they do. Um, but I, I did say on the rebound rundown, I said the the name on the front of the jersey is probably gonna account for something at the end of the day. Uh, but I, I, I just the thing that North Carolina does have going for them, which I pointed out to you, Casey, is they don't have any bad losses. Like, they don't have that quad three, quad four loss. All their losses are good losses. So, yeah. And I I was just saying this to, to, to you earlier. I thought they had a really good chance of winning the tournament anyways. I mean, the only team in their way, in my opinion, is Miami. They already beat Virginia once. And, yeah. and Duke is usually a good game. It's a good rivalry game. So, so I, I, I guess that goes back, Marty, what's your confidence level on this Duke game? Uh, my conf confidence level is pretty good. 
I mean, they played them. They played them reasonably well in Chapel and uh, at Durham. They didn't get blown out by Duke in that game. Um, and uh, so I, I have confidence. Now, if they get beat by Florida State tonight, and I tell you one thing, they better not overlook Florida State. Despite the fact that they've already lost 20 games, they came back in Miami from 25 down in the first half on Saturday to beat them at one a three-pointer at the buzzer. So I don't think you can walk in there uh, and say, well, you know, we can beat this team. You better go out and play. And that's been a problem that Carolina's had all year long. You know, there are people who have recently said, and I don't know that I disagree with it. Hubert Davis is a nice guy. But Hubert Davis has created an atmosphere where that team is very, very soft. And you don't see Carolina players diving on the floor for loose balls. The only one that busts his butt for my money day in and day out, night in and night out, is a kid in the middle. I feel sorry for him. Um, he doesn't get the ball enough offensively. He battles his butt off for rebounds. I mean, his numbers speak for themselves. I don't think he's going to be a good pro player, but I think he's had a great season, and that's you can't say that about the rest of those clowns on that team. Uh, I had a guy jump me the other day uh, on on the internet, on twit, Twitter, uh, when, and he made a comment that Hubert Davis was quoted in his post-game con, uh, uh, interview the other day that to criticize these kids is, is unconscionable. I'm, I'm paraphrasing now. And I it, it kind of lit me up a little bit because I, I retaliated by saying that's the most ridiculous comment I've ever heard. Let's face one thing now. When I was doing college basketball and doing the NCAA tournament, the regionals and the, and the final finals, I, I, I would never criticize a college player, ever. Uh, but once the NIL kicked in, as I said in this tweet, it's a new ball game now because these guys are professional players. So if I feel inclined to criticize them, I don't have a problem with it at all. Guy has never responded to what I said. Well, that's not a surprise in any form or fashion. It'd be a surprise if he actually had his name attached to whatever his uh, Twitter account Oh, he was. did. He did. Yeah. Okay, well, then good for him. Um, okay, and then there is, as I've been telling Paul and Casey for weeks, they won't listen to me. They look down their nose when I said this, and I said this to you yesterday. Look out for my man, Cal. He's got it going on down there with Big Blue Nation. They got it going on. I agree. I don't disagree at all. I think if you've got to pick a time of year to kick it into gear, and we saw Carolina do that last year, I think Kentucky's playing the best basketball they played all year long. But if you go back and look at some of the early days in which I spent with you on this program and the, the, the Kentucky thing came up when they were going bad, this is a month and a half, seven weeks ago, whatever the case might be, I said, don't worry about it. They're going to be fine. And they right now are fine. They're playing the best basketball they played all year long. Uh, I think the kids probably have a – they're at a confidence level now that they've not experienced the entire season. I don't think any valid dispute the fact that they certainly have the talent. So we'll see how it plays out the rest of the way. But uh, they are playing extremely well without any question at all. All right, Dad. Uh, guys, anything else on your mind today? We're going to let the Hall of Famer get rolling. He's got places to be, people to see. You're going out to Arizona, out there with all your highfalutin buddies out there in Red Spring training. That's not true, but I'll be out there. What's not I'll true? I'll be there. 
Well, who are you talking about? Jim Day and all those guys? Yeah, all your highfalutin pals. Jim Day is my Welsh, Chris Welsh, you'll be out there with him. You guys will probably play golf together. I'm not even taking my golf clubs out there. Well, why not? I'm just not. Okay. I'm just not. It's too much to to drag those things three-quarters of the way across the country or halfway across the country. I'm not doing it. Okay. I got plenty uh, of time to play golf when I come back. Your buddy Everett did not jump on today. So, uh, no Everett today, no questions today. What were you going to say, Casey? You know Um, where Everett is? Where? No. You know where he is? No. He's interviewing for a damn job. (laughs) (laughs) That's where Everett is. What, what are you looking Everett. at here, Casey? What are you looking at? You want me to run the video no, of a no, guy hitting no. a home run? I, I was just going to ask, how did he feel about McLean, the first, that first uh, spring training game? I don't know if you watched it at all, um, what your thoughts are. I saw are. the ad I back. Know a lot of, go ahead. You know, he's, what, two years removed from being their, their number one pick. Yep. They are so inundated with infielders, specifically shortstops. You know, last year he – he uh, he and uh, Ailey Dela Cruz would would go back and forth. One day one would play second, one would play short. Then they do it again. Um, this kid may be a dark horse. So much ink has been uh, devoted to some of these kids that they picked up through trade in the last year or so. But uh, this kid, he's gotten off to a great start in spring training. We'll see how. I'm not I'm not saying that he'll make the club, uh, and and he and maybe he will. But I think that. He could certainly change the minds of people in the organization that are more interested in some of the newcomers than they are a guy that, uh, you know, did not have a great year last year. No, he's got power. He had 17 home runs last year, even though he had a low batting average. But I'm going to keep my eye on him and, uh, and, and see how the spring works for him because this kid may be one that just has matured quicker than they thought he would, and all of a sudden now he's become a major factor. Okay, I, my my last question. This might be a little long-winded and convoluted, um, <laughs> but how many games in spring training, or, or just the the spring games in general, are you watching and you're seeing a player play very well before you go, okay, it's time, or okay, maybe he deserves to move up and get some playing time. What 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 is the what am I looking for here? If McLean does this what another five times, ten times? Like what? What am I looking for here in a player? You know, like that, this? That's a good question. Good question, Casey. I, I, um, after I've been around a while and realized that you know I get all excited over a kid doing what he did on the first day of the spring and say, well, you never know about him. I think you got to wait until he starts facing certifiable major league pitching. Yeah, that that home run and the single that he had the other day came off guys that are probably going to be in the minor leagues uh, when the season begins. I think you need to draw an opinion uh, against uh, uh, for a young man or against a young man, whatever the case might be, when he starts seeing big league pitching. And once he starts seeing big league pitching, if he continues to swing the bat, then I think you need to kind of move him up just a bit in your thinking as far as whether or not he'll one day be a big league player in Cincinnati. All right, Casey, good stuff there. Got hot praise from the Hall of Famer. And by the way, Dad, before we let you go, Everett did jump in. He wishes you safe travels. He looks at you as sort of a life coach 
is, to borrow his terminology. And he says that Marty is as positive. Now, help me here. I hope I'm not going off the rails. No, you're I don't not. Know this no, stuff. no, this is good. <laughs> okay, he says Marty is as positive and uplifting as Snape. S-N-A-P-E. Classic. Slytherin. Slytherin. Well, no that, thoughts that, on I that? I feel honored. I, no, I just feel honored. That's all. That's <laughs> feel honored. Well, we got to put together a lunch sometime when you get back from Arizona with uh, with everyone. Well, I have sure. every intention in the world of following up on that. Okay. All right. Well, have a great rest of your day. Safe travels. Godspeed ahead out to uh, the Valley of the Sun. All right, bud. I'll be talking with you. All right. Casey, be Paul, good. take care, boys. Stay in good See health. Marty. See you, Marty. See you, Marty. All right, man. Boy, Thanks. I praise for you, Casey. Wow. Stepping up. Learning baseball. I Casey mean, 101. <laughs> I mean, not to plug our own stuff, but the Reds, Chatterbox Reds that we did on Saturday. I watched it. It was really good. It was and Trace and Nick Kirby. And who, who was the third guy? I mean, when I was clicked on, there was another guy in the box on video. Yeah, Bryce Spaulding. He's done a lot of Reds coverage for okay. years. Well, they, they did a yeah. really nice job. I enjoyed it. Yeah. And look, some of you are going to tune in. And we're, gonna, no, we're not going to do this every game during the regular season, but a number of games, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, Go ahead. Yeah, so so Chatterbox Reds on all the podcast platforms is going to be available kind of just like my rebound rundown. They're going to do a morning commute style podcast. So if you miss a game a night before, yeah. they'll give you all you want to know. Exactly. So Nick will record it that, that night. I, I don't know what Trace's schedule is, if he's on every uh, Chatterbox Reds podcast, whatever. But Chase is on the YouTube live shows, which will be live just like you're watching this through the YouTube uh, channel right now on Off the Bench. You can watch the, um, the the Chatterbox Reg, which will be live throughout the regular season on YouTube as well. I really enjoyed it. I, uh, you know, Nick, Nick, uh, I, I'm not so sure Nick doesn't know. And it's in the shot of Nick Crawl. I love Nick Crawl. I'm not so sure he doesn't know more about the Reds than Nick Crawl does. <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean that's, that's flippantly saying that, but he really does. All right, Ham and Eggers, uh, we got lots to talk about here today. We're going to recap your Xavier Musketeers from Friday night. And now a big one coming up Wednesday night. Yeah, this is the best They're way. tied for second place. We'll get to that in a minute, but Ham and Eggers. Right. Mr. President, the stage is yours. It's that time of the show, the Ham and Eggers. These guys are great. Trust me, I would know. I introduce all the best segments. Uh, all right, so let's get in right into our business. Uh, we talked very briefly about the Bearcats, but we are going to talk about them more. Casey's going to get our, uh, our prop of the day. Uh, but the Bearcats report is brought to you by Encore Technologies. Encore Technologies provides IT solutions to uh, 4A data center world with a suite of services from mobile computing to desktop to data center, supporting both centralized and work from home computing models to improve efficiency and productivity. Visit Encore.tech. The path to innovation begins here. There is also a new premium alkaline water out, Pawnee. And I have to tell you, Casey, we got it right here. Is this a brand new bottle? Is this a new bottle? It looks like it. Did we get... I don't know. know. Made in Hamilton, Ohio, Pawnee uses natural limestone filtration. Unlike the artificial processing that many other brands use, the result is a healthy alkaline water that is also the best tasting water in the world. Visit their website at PawneeWater.com. That's P-A-H-H-N-I Water.com. P-A-H-H-N-I Water.com to see where you can buy this great tasting water. Casey, run an ad. (laughs) 
run an ad. At United Dairy Farmers, we've perfected freshness in our family bakery, where we use only the finest ingredients, like thick, high-quality glazes on our signature donuts, before delivering them fresh from bakery to store every day. UDF, made for you. If your AC or furnace is struggling, turn to the experts at Bartels Heating and Cooling. Their certified technicians get the job done right the first time. And if you need a new unit, Bartels will give you upfront pricing with no hidden fees. Plus, ask about Bartels 0% interest financing for 60 months. Learn more at BartelsHeatingAndCooling.com. Bartels Heating and Cooling, for a comfortable way of life. Eli's Sports Bar and Grill, proudly sponsoring high school football with three locations in Mason, Liberty Township, and Ross, Ohio. Our 10-foot screens guarantee a great view from every seat in the house. Eli's Sports Bar and Grill, the best place in Cincinnati for sports, food, and fun. Where can you turn when you're in pain? Turn where more high school, college, and pro athletes turn. Where your neighbors and weekend warriors turn. Turn to Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine and get superior care on your schedule. That's the Beacon difference. Check out our fresh arrivals at Jake Sweeney Used Cars. Over 250 used vehicles weekly. All makes, all models. From economy to luxury, Jake Sweeney, the original used car superstore. So we're back here on Off the Bench again. A couple of just uh, just some housekeeping notes here. Pawnee, uh, Encore.tech, UDF, Betfred, all those good things here as we get going. And also, Tom, uh, at 11.30, we're going to be joined by Liam McFadden-Ackman, who hit two grand slams How yesterday about for NKU and hit for the cycle. Two grand slams, grand slams and hit for the cycle. He hit two grand slams in the same inning. Yes, in the same inning. Sorry, yes. That's unbelievable. Two in the same inning and then hit for the cycle. Didn't, um, and maybe it's somewhere in this article. I left my uh, glasses uh, in the other room. I'll get them in a minute. But didn't, uh, did he do it in the same game or did he do it in the same inning? Fernando Tatis Sr. Did he hit two grand that was slams? In the, that was in the same inning. So at Dodger yeah. Stadium, if yeah. I remember right. Yeah, Years late ago. 90s. Late 90s. Yeah, I remember watching that game on TV after I'd done a game somewhere. I couldn't believe it. But good for him. So we'll have him on, find out where the uh, young man is from and all that kind of thing. He did it in a blowout win for NKU over Western Michigan. Speaking of NKU, uh, I know that Brandon Seho was working on um, trying to line up and uh, successfully so as the Horizon League tournament begins this week. I believe the Norse, Casey wouldn't know this being an alum, <laughs> But the Norse um, are a number four seed. They will play the number five seed, I believe, Thursday. Oakland at 7 o'clock. And they just played Oakland in their last regular season game on Saturday. So they have to then turn around and play them right back well, again on that's okay. Thursday night. That's all right. But, um, they won that game. But he, he's, a, he's a great guy. We had him on very early in the year after the big win over UC. And obviously, they're going to have to win their conference tournament to get into the NCAA tournament. Uh, they've been there before. Yeah. They've been there before. I believe that those were in the days of John Brandon, though, right? Or did he get him to an NCAA tournament? Dar well, in 2020, they won. I'm pretty sure they won the conference tournament. I, I want to go check. But I'm pretty sure they won the conference tournament in 2020. But then, obviously, the tournament yeah, was canceled. Yeah. Yeah. Last night of Reagan, yeah. Of that was that was it. That was because the next day, yeah, COVID shut everything down. So, so I they, they would have been in. Yeah, because they, they have a banner 
that hangs up for it, obviously, but they didn't get to play in the NCAA tournament. So they were – they should have won last year. They came up just short. Wright State won uh, right at the end. And now this year, the, the Horizon League tournament's pretty wide open. We'll see what happens. Yeah. There's not that one dominant team this year in the Horizon. Some years it's been NKU. Some years, you know, Youngstown State's had good years. Wright State's had good years. Um, they don't have that team this year. Anybody – could win it so it should be a fun tournament and yeah the, the first round is Wright State plays at home tomorrow night in the first round they play Green Bay up at up in Dayton at the Nutter Center then Thursday is the uh, quarterfinal round so. what happened to that Wright State team I went up to uh, last minute uh, my wife and son and I decided last year to go up to that play-in night when Notre Dame was playing my wife oh the first uh, four my wife's alma yeah. mater and uh, yeah and um and date, I mean, Wright State played in that game. It was like a, a Wright State home game, naturally, right there in Dayton, Ohio. What, what's happened to them since last year? They lose a bunch of guys. Or uh, yeah, they 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 have one. They have a couple good players. Uh, point guard Trey Calvin. He plays. He's had a fantastic year. I mean, I don't I don't know what he's averaging, but I feel like every night on the rundown when I'm talking about him, he's like he had 34, I think, over the weekend against Detroit. Uh, they've just had an, an uh, I don't know retention wise what they lost from last year. I forget. I'd have to go back and look. But they they're seventeen and fourteen right now. Uh, they just kind of had a middle of the road year. Okay. So it's one it's one of those things with turnover from from you know year to year. But I mean last year they were twenty two and fourteen. Um, if I remember right, they had two they had two players last year, and I have to go back and remember their names. They had two guys last year that really yeah were like the go to yeah guys they were fun they, to watch that they lost. Um, but I, I'd have to go back and make sure I'm thinking of the right team. Okay. Um, now. Uh, your Xavier Musketeers. Yeah. And we're still waiting on Sean Miller. He has an open invitation to join the program. Yeah. Wes Miller found a way to come on. Huh. Hey, Sean Miller I mean, all I do is say nice things about Sean Miller on this show, so it can't be for, you know, hey, he's not one of us. <laughs> or I can't be uh, the guy's ripping my tail. Can't be one of those deals. You know, all you can do is continue to ask. That's all you can do. Our good friend Tom Iser over at X, we ask and we ask and we ask and we ask. But, you know, Sean's big leaguer. He must have some things going on. Uh, anyway, uh, his team clearly came to play on Friday night. Um, would you say... It was their overall most impressive. I, I know they've beaten teams that are better than Seton Hall, but yeah. would you say it's their most impressive win of the year for 40 minutes of basketball? Yeah, given the circumstances, they had one bad segment coming out of the second half. They had one bad segment the first four minutes of the second half, but outside of that, they were it was completely dominant. It was never in doubt. And given the depth issues that Xavier's had recently without Zach Fremantle and just some of the other things, that was the biggest thing for me was that – Sule Boom was the only player that played over 33 minutes in the game. Colby Jones only played 19 minutes. So you, you didn't have to go and run everybody out there and 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 nobody got hurt. It was just all all around. And in fact, Sule had a three at the very end of the game. He had a three that if he would have made, uh, if he'd have made that three, it would have been the largest margin of victory ever for Xavier in Biggie's play. Um, he missed it, and then Seton Hall came down, hit a three, so they won by 22. Uh, Six-point swing there. But, yeah, it was it was a great win. Um, they needed it. Felt like now what they have to do is they just got to win one game this week 
and they will play on Thursday night at Madison Square Garden, which is huge because that means that they avoid UConn, which I've talked about. Flip side of that is they might have to play Villanova, who's lightning. Yeah. I mean, they are they are red hot I mean, right they've now. beaten Xavier and Creighton in the same week. Yeah. Villanova's – I mean, they, they, they are similar – they are farther out of the tournament than North Carolina is because North Carolina is at least in the discussion. Villanova is farther out because they have the bad losses. And that's like I said with Marty, I, I am less high on North Carolina's tournament chances because I think people, I think, I think just we in general as, as college basketball fans tend to overvalue the conference tournaments uh, as far as conference tournament wins go. Because a lot of times we sit here and we talk about, well, you know, so-and-so can get two or three quad one wins in the conference tournament. A lot of times it doesn't, as much as we talk about it, it doesn't really all that matter all that much. Like Texas A&M last year got left out, even though they had a great run in the SEC tournament. So Villanova, though, I mean, I, I they still got to win the Big East tournament to get in, but they are looking very good. So you got to play somebody at Madison Square Garden, but the, the bracket is setting up at least right now, pretty favorably for, for Xavier to be on the same side with Seton Hall, Providence, Villanova, instead of Creighton, Marquette, and UConn all over on the other side of the bracket. So, so. more than likely, they split this week, and however it comes, right? You, you lose at Providence or you win. Oh, well, it would make a big difference, I guess, if you win. Maybe it washes itself out. But if I hear you right, right now they're tied for second place after Creighton lost over the weekend to Villanova. Yeah. Right? So Creighton's in fourth with UConn a distant fifth. Yeah. Right? So, um, so I mean, barring two losses this week, like you said, if they split, they're a, a two or a three, and so they're on the other side of the bracket. Yeah. Okay. Which would be huge. All right. Okay. Um, Best weekend of the year in college basketball, no doubt. It was awesome. Four buzzer beaters. Yesterday was awesome. Saturday was unbelievable. It was all over the place. I got to tell you, um, I am really scratching my head about this Brandon Miller thing. You know, I gave the kid, and look, I'm not judging jury, okay? That's somebody for far more important than any of us will ever be to make a determination on what's going on here. But for those of you that did not see the story, okay, we know the situation with Brandon Miller, best player on maybe the best team in the country, Alabama. Okay, he's the guy we talked about last week where uh, he has a teammate that owns a gun. Um, the teammate leaves it in Brandon Miller's car underneath the chair, uh, the seat. Uh, he calls Brandon Miller, texts him whatever, says, hey, can you bring me my gun? Brandon Miller gets in a car, drives the guy's gun. That gun eventually was used to kill a 23-year-old woman outside of the bars along the strip in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Okay. Um, we gave the guy the benefit of the doubt on this whole thing because he's not been charged with a crime. Doesn't mean he shouldn't have been suspended, at least for a game or two, or everybody to cool off and take a step back. Unfortunately, we're learning more and more and more and more about what, what really happened. We don't, I mean, it, it, it's a mess. Then all of a sudden, Alabama comes back home to play Arkansas over the weekend. Now, apparently, um, Brandon Miller's been doing this. You know how you go to even the high school games anymore. I mean, hell, you can go to a, a junior high school, a, a youth basketball game anymore. And when kids come out for starting lineups, they all got this and that and everything else and going on. And yeah, man. I mean, you know, I mean come on. Just, you just get your name announced, go out there, give your team the high five, shake the official's hand, the other coach's hand, and get back to the huddle and get your ass ready to play. 
But no, we got to have all these choreographed, everything going on. Fans love it. That's fine. Okay. But Miller apparently has been doing the same thing all year long, which, correct me if I'm wrong here, he says has to do with some MMA thing. I, I don't know. I don't follow the MMA. I don't know anything about it. Basically, it looks like a police pat down, right? Yeah. Okay. On, on a would-be suspect. That's exactly what it looks like. Okay. So here you have this young man who's in this situation. He's been allowed to continue to play. That in itself is a gift from God above. Okay, that the university, the president, the athletic department, the coaches, they all wash their hands apparently of the whole thing. And you know what? Wasn't charged with a crime, so okay. All right? Guilty, uh, innocent until proven guilty of, of anything. I'm all on board for that. But then in the starting lineup on Saturday, and he comes out and does the same thing again with the police pat-down-like thing. And even his own coach finally said, hey, this is just inappropriate. It's out of line. Now, you mean to tell me that somebody, somebody, including the coach? But at the end of the day, this one's on the kid, okay? How does somebody not say to this guy, Brandon, I know you've been doing this all year long. Here's the clip. But this just cannot be going on under the circumstances. And to use that as an excuse that I've been doing it all year long so I continue to do it, it's just mind-boggling. Here it is. He's introduced. Home game in Alabama. Hmm. Yeah, you mean to tell book. me there's not, there's not an athletic trainer? There's not an assistant coach? There's not a friend? There's not a family member who has watched him do this all year long, apparently. That's at least what we're being told, that he's been doing it all year long. Uh, to, to answer Alex's question in the chat, Brandon Miller was probably – Again, there is a player out of France named Victor Wembayana who is maybe the best NBA draft prospect since LeBron. You will know his name if you don't know it already by June. He's a seven-foot-plus basketball player, international player, who's one of the best prospects of the last 20 years. He will be the number one pick in the draft. There is a very good chance that Brandon Miller is the number two pick in the draft, and if not that, maybe a, a top-five pick. So we're talking about somebody with a massive NBA future here a one-and-done at Alabama. He will not be there next year, uh, you know, barring yeah. something crazy. Yeah, um, Yeah. this is one, and I, I do believe Nate Oates, where Nate Oates has a lot more things to worry about when you're getting ready to coach a game where he's going through his final preparations. And, you know, if you don't ever watch a college basketball situation like this where they finish their starting lineup introductions, they go, they shake the referee's hand, and then what they do is the managers come and they get the, the chairs out and the head coach draws up their final pregame, whatever they want to do. The first few sets of the game, kind of like a football game gets scripted the first drive or whatever. That's what the coach does to give their final instructions. Then they go back out to the court for tip-off. So I do believe Nate Oates where he says, I had no idea 
what Brandon does, you know, in the introductions, what their little handshake is, whatever. But I, I can assure you this is not going to happen again. I do take Nate for his word on that one, but it's just a bad look. And is it something that maybe has been going on all season? Sure. Is it something that could have been avoided? Absolutely. Just such a little thing, again, that Alabama. There is a woman 23 years old who is dead. Yeah. And I'm not saying he's to blame for it. Because another man pulled the trigger and killed this woman. She has parents. She has family. Yep. She had a future. She had a life. And now it's gone. And you've got a guy who's on the brink of making tens, if not hundreds of millions of dollars that does not have the wherewithal. And believe me, look, I've made terrible mistakes in my life. So again, I'm not judge and jury here, okay? Neither are you. But that's where you just hope, you know, as a young man, he's got to be, what, 18, 19, 20 years old? Okay, well, I mean, 18-year-olds, they do stupid stuff. We all do stupid stuff. 58-year-olds, we do stupid stuff. But... Golly day, don't you have to have somebody in your life oh, he's, that says, hey, man. He's 20. Okay, 20. You have to have somebody in your life that just says, hey, dude, listen. Big picture here. Okay? Big picture here. I'm just, uh, I am stunned. Uh, I'm going to throw it back to you guys because I'm going to run and get my glasses real quick. So take it just for a minute. Okay. we got some, some combine stuff to talk a little bit about. And coming up in just a little while, Liam McFadden-Ackman. Uh, he hits two grand slams in the same inning to complete a cycle for the Northern Kentucky University baseball team in a route of Western Michigan. So he'll be coming up a little bit later on the program. Thank you, fellas, for hustling uh, to, to gather him up. And uh, take it and let me go get my glasses real quick. All right. All sounds, right. Good. sounds good. Uh, Casey, anything from the weekend outside of FC Cincinnati that we haven't gone to? Um, I... Uh... Again, I didn't watch all of the XFL, but... Oh, man, did they play I'm, again this weekend? That, the question there, that, that's all you need to know. That, did they play? Like, who cares? Who, who, like, I'm starting to get to that point where I'm already like, man, this is bad football. I say it's bad football. It's just not good-looking football. It's very... Well, that would be bad. It, it's very low-scoring, um, sloppy sometimes. Um, and no one seems to really be in on it, at least from my perspective. Um, I don't know what the numbers are telling them. I don't know if I haven't looked up any ratings or anything like that, but they chose like a really bad time to get this thing going. In my opinion, like you're starting MLS, you're starting college hoops. NBA just got back from the all-star weekend and they had their first week, and I thought the first week was okay. Um, the second week, I I didn't even realize that the Battle Hawks played on, I think that was Thursday or Friday. Didn't know. I have no idea. I had no idea. It's not very um, publicized very well. So that hurts it a lot. Um, I think the presence is not there like it should be. But it doesn't help either that. It's just not been very great football. And then my other thoughts, um, 
my other thought was more just more or less just about college hoops how how good it was this weekend it was really good oh. like there's a lot there's a lot of good games this weekend that just i was really surprised because i was expecting because you prepped us all to say like you know the week before whatever that monday or whatever was the last slate of like really good games on a weekday but you just never know like these games these college games towards the end teams start to really play and you know they're fighting for spots yes yeah yeah it was awesome that that tuesday last week was was the best weekday that we had left and i knew that coming into this saturday now there's gonna be a lot to play for this week um, Texas took a loss to Baylor over the weekend, which means that this Kansas and Texas game that's coming up on Saturday, Kansas can win the Big 12 title. Um, Kansas now has the inside track to the Big 12 yeah, title. Wouldn't that be something? I mean, they've been chasing all year, haven't they? They have been, yeah, right there with Texas all year. Um, it's been it's been fun in the Big 12 trying to go back and forth, see who's finally going to win that conference. and. It's just night in and night out. It's been such a war. Kansas looks like they are going to win it. Um, but the Big 12, you never know how this week is going to shake out. Um, not a great night tonight. Only three decent games tonight. Um, North Carolina plays Florida State tonight. West Virginia plays tonight. Oklahoma State. Um, so so not nothing, nothing great, but decent. So... But that's coming off an unbelievable three days. Yeah, and NBA wise, the weekend was pretty good. But um, how about how about the Kings? Yeah, second highest scoring game ever. Double overtime, one seventy five to one seventy four. It's exciting. I missed it. Yeah, I missed it. I had uh, to look at the box score, and I was like, "Wow." Well, I don't think and you now, could have watched it anyway, so don't feel too bad. Oh, good. I think well, it was on regional TV out in Sacramento. Regardless, uh, they. I was looking at some of the numbers, and what's funny is they have, like, the second-best offense now or something like that. The Kings? Yeah. They're playing well. They're playing well. They're third in the West. And literally everything else is basically the same from last season, which they weren't very great last season. Their defense is not great. But, hey, kudos to them. That was a really awesome game to have watched if you did watch it. Um, I don't know if we have any fans from there, but – um, not only that, I was surprised about Jokic. I mean, he he just the Joker. The, the, the Nuggets they just they just stunk against the Grizzlies. I was expecting John Morant to kind of get manhandled, but no, that didn't happen. I was surprised they lost like I don't know by like 20, 25 points. Did I'm he have a sure. double uh, triple double? I don't know, but he's been he on did. a roll. Well, all I know about them is, is I love what Jason Kidd had to say. This team needs to grow up. The Grizzlies? No, talking about um, the Mavs. The Mavericks. Yeah. Any of the coach of the Mavericks? Uh, I wouldn't know because I haven't done enough to learn my favorite team in the NBA. He, he is. He is the coach of the Mavs. Yes, and they blew but, a huge lead, and he came out after the game and said, this team needs to learn how to grow up. Yeah, I don't. It's looking he like a bad player. No, it's looking like that trade for Kyrie is not working out great. It's early. It's yeah, it's I mean, early. Wait till it matters. Kyrie's a nut cutting time kind of guy. Let's wait till it matters. Right. Well, if he shows up, he'll yeah, show that's... up. Stop. He's played all year long. <sighs> I'm just worried. I'm nervous. I really hope because the 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 two play styles between Luca 
and Kyrie, they're two really, really good ball handlers. But that's the thing. They got to have the ball to be really good. So there's only one ball. There's Casey. only one ball. There's only one ball. That's what I. That's what I keep hearing. They gotta gotta have the ball in order to be good. Yeah. Um. So I I'm hoping that they can turn it around. Hoping. Okay. Well, as the uh, you know, that, there's another season that seemingly never ends. When, when does uh, when does their playoff marathon begin? Where every team in the league virtually makes the playoffs, like the NHL. When does that begin? Yeah, early April. Early April? Yeah, I mean, they, they basically play a second season. The NBA playoffs are basically a second season. It goes yeah, to the middle incredible. of June. That's right. And that's then the incredible. finals take like a month. You get two, two days off in between, three days off in between. It's crazy. You're sitting here beating down the NBA. You didn't take any shots at soccer for taking two months off. Well, they, I mean, come on. NHL doesn't take any breaks. No. They keep it rolling. Olympics. Well, that's, yeah, yeah. Once every four years. All right. You know what else is starting up here pretty soon is the WBC. Are you going to be watching the World Baseball Classic this year? Uh, not as religiously as Reed will be watching it, but I'll tune in for some of the better games. I saw where Ken Rosenthal in The Athletic today wrote a story that the Dominican team, which, of course, it, I mean, it really is. And we'll get into this. We'll get Jose Rijo or somebody on one of these days uh, to get into the whole Dominican Republic thing because it is such a tiny third world, truly third world country. Um, and yet the amount of Major League Baseball players that come out of this tiny little country is is just staggering. And it gets higher and higher every single year, the numbers. Um, and apparently, according to Ken Rosenthal, they are going to have arguably the greatest lineup one to nine that there has ever been assembled on any team anywhere for the world baseball club. Now the American team's going to have great players too. Mike Trout, among others, they're all playing, but um, that'll be something worth at least keeping an eye on. It's international competition. And that always makes for fun. All right. Um, the combine. Casey, this is right up your alley. Yes, right? it is. It is. Okay. So the combine is starting uh, the football world, if you will, will uh, descend this week on Indianapolis, the annual scouting combine of the National Football League, where you get uh, all the league officials, you get scouts, you get coaches, you get medical personnel, you get draft prospects, the agents, support staff, everybody and his brother shows up for this thing to start checking out players. Okay, so one of the first things uh, that stood out to me, two of the guys that figure to be in the top three picks in the draft have already announced they're not showing up for the combine. The Carter kid out of Georgia, yep. who they said conceivably could be the single biggest game wrecker from a defensive lineman standpoint to come in the draft in years. I mean, people can think that. That's fine. Is anybody going to believe this guy's going to be Bosa? I mean, come on, come on. Anyway, maybe you will be. But the other guy's Bryce Young. C.J. Stroud's not too much of a big leaguer. He's going to be there slinging it around Indianapolis and Loyal Lucas Oil Stadium. Will Levis of Kentucky, he's showing up. Bryce Young, waiting for his pro day. So is Carter. So here you have two of the top, maybe the first two picks in the draft. Yeah. And they're not going to the combine. You know, I... 
I think a couple years ago I would have been disappointed, but more and more as of late, the top the top picks just don't do the combine. They just do their pro day. I I don't know if it's more beneficial for them to not risk it. Um, there is sometimes some injuries do happen on the combine. It's very far and in between. It's usually not the big guys, but um, one that stands out in my mind that happened as of late was the Ravens. Um, they picked up uh, the Michigan kid. I can't remember his name. Ojabo. He was a defensive end. Yep. He got hurt on his pro day, tore his ACL or something to that. And he was out pretty much all the regular season. Didn't come back till late towards the end. I think he did play in the playoff game. But regardless, the guys just don't want to risk anything. Um I can see it for, for Carter's sake to not risk it and just wait till the pro day. When it comes to the quarterbacks, though, I don't understand why they don't go out there. And to Towards me, the, Achilles. Towards Achilles. Towards Achilles. Yes. That's yes. right. I don't understand why quarterbacks don't do it because it's going to be the same thing as the pro day. There's not a whole lot of risk involved for a quarterback on, on the pro day. Um, and maybe it's because there's more just – unnecessary risk when there's controversy for that number one pick i mean in my opinion you could go you couldn't go wrong with cj stroud or bryce young i i don't think there's anything anything there that you know th there's not enough to to say that this guy is the certified number one to me to me um so i guess that's why you know you just don't want to risk any bad throws you want to be comfortable pro day that makes sense. On your home field, on home your home turf, field. where you practice, whole nine yards. I Throw it to it. your own guys. Yeah. Now, the Carter kid, by the way, uh, it should be noted. Uh, and thank you very much, Tomas, your buddy, for pointing out that he is actually going to Indianapolis. That he will um, do the physical and the media and all that kind of stuff, but he's not going to partake in any of the um, physical drills. Um A lot of people wonder if um, C.J. Stroud is going to be there throwing on what's about to be his home turf. Right. The Indianapolis Colts, C.J. Stroud. You know, I – not that we've really discussed this a whole lot, but the top quarterbacks to me, I don't have Bryce Young as my number one. I have C.J. Stroud as my number one. I do too, just because I, of not being a Buckeye. I, I just I, – I, you know, I have a hard time with these quarterbacks that are not very big guys. I know. And, I, and, and Young is an undersized, like a Tua kind of guy, undersized kind of guy. Stroud – May not look it on television, but he is a big dude. I agree Big, with that. strong guy. Yeah. And so then my next one would be probably Bryce Young and then Will Levis. And then I guess Anthony Richardson. Uh, that That's your guy. <laughs> the guy you were touting after the first game of the year. Heisman. No, then the he, wheels fell off. He, he's got a lot of talent. His, his, for some reason, his number one pick uh, betting value has significantly dropped he's not the favorite but he's gone from like plus 5,000 to plus 700 in the last week for the number one overall to be the number one overall pick it's a lot of it's because of the what? measurable yeah. yeah it's because of his measurables because he's big he can, strong fast guy big arm they're, they're saying that athlete. he's like Josh Allen coming out of right. college and I get that but it took it took a, a mastermind like Dable 
and we've seen what he's done with Danny Dimes to create that behemoth. So if your team doesn't have a, a Dable on their team, to me, Anthony Richardson is not the guy you want to go with. But that's just my opinion. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the quarterback situation is really interesting. Um, obviously, for the Bengals, if we're looking at it from that perspective, you want as many quarterbacks to go in the first round as possible. That just pushes all the talent down. Um, you want as many positions that aren't vital or not as uh, – significant like running back and safety to be taken in the first round as much as possible so then the the talent the the surplus of good talent starts to fall down um but yeah the just to get back on track a little bit quarterback situation is really really interesting really going to be fun this year watching them um I suspect that Bryce Young is probably picked first overall just because he's got Alabama written across his chest um, that and the Ohio State quarterback prejudice that's in the league, whether or not people want to admit it or not, not a lot of Ohio State quarterbacks work out. Um, How many but, Alabama quarterbacks have worked out? That's a good question. I mean, I, mean, I think you know, if you're going to go that far, I mean, Tua had a few good games this year. Yeah, they thought he was a bust the last two years. I don't since disagree. coming in the league. I, I mean, don't. What's he that? done? I mean, you know, I'm not sitting here defending, but but I mean, for somebody, Alex says Stroud is not good, never shows up in the big game. Okay. What? They scored 41 points against Georgia in the biggest game they played all year long. Got in field goal range. He threw for 348 yards and four touchdowns. Yeah, I don't want to hear that. I mean, Just, come on. Come on. Come on. And I'm not in. I mean, come on. If you've watched now, the Now, he show, lost to Michigan twice. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. But, I mean, come on. If you watch the show, you even know we're not really, me and Paul are not big Ohio State guys. And I'm telling you, C.J. Stroud had his team in position to win and go to the, the championship. It just so happened that they had one of the worst kicks I've ever seen, a botched field goal. That stopped them from to, from making it, um, or was it tying it? They would have won it. No, they would have won, won the game. They, they lost forty-two it. to four. Oh, and by the way, Reed Mouse and some of them are throwing going back to the dark ages of Kenny Stabler and Joe Willie Namath coming out of Alabama. Sure. Okay. All Anthony right. Richardson is third in the. Uh, he's the third betting favorite. He's behind Stroud and Bryce Young, and that's it. Now. That's crazy. Yeah, I mean, that's a huge risk. Third. It makes more sense if you draft him like the same thing that Josh Allen was, which was like a 10th, 11th pick. But, yeah, I mean, some team is – I'm not going to go out on a limb and say that a team is going to regret drafting him, but it's going to take a lot of work. Like, he's a project, 100%. Like, the only teams that make sense for me, for Richardson, is like the Falcons, who are still rebuilding – who don't really have quite the answer there. They picked up. What about your guy, Des Desmond Ritter? Ritter? They have Desmond Ritter, but I don't know if they feel comfortable with him. He didn't really flash. He didn't show well, anything. I mean, that... come on now. I mean, come on. He only played, what, the last three or four games of the year? Yeah, but. I'm not throwing a lot of stock. I'm not saying that I'd pass on another guy. So you're out on Jalen Hurts. 
Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts, you can't. You mean as far as an Alabama guy? Yeah. You can't. You can't call him an Alabama guy. You got what? benched by Alabama, and they ran him off halftime of the national championship game. Oof. They said, "See you later." D-U-N done. Benched. One of the ballsiest moves I've ever seen in my life. Maybe the single biggest ballsy move I've ever seen a coach make in my life. And if you're going to say that, I hate to be this guy. He goes off to Oklahoma is where he was a number one pick with Oklahoma. If you're going to say that, then let's bring up Joe Burrow. Let's bring up Joe Burrow. He's an OSU guy. Look at him. Can't have it both ways, Casey. Beautifully said. Beautifully said. Beautifully said. And we can't forget about Mac Jones. I think think Mac Jones is is still... uh, Listen, I want to get into this. I want to get into this um, This uh, before we get to uh, Liam McFadden-Ackman uh, from NKU. Uh, I want to get into this whole thing with the Bears. Yeah, that's a big story. Because uh, Adam Schefter was reporting this morning on ESPN that um, 12 to 15 teams have reached out to the Chicago Bears who owned the number one pick in the upcoming draft. Um, Their general manager has come out after a lot of noise. And look, it can change. Okay, the guy's allowed to change his mind. If he gets, and he even said it, uh, unless I'm overwhelmed with something. But he is open to the idea. He's committed to Fields moving forward. um, And he is committed to Justin Fields being their quarterback of the future. But that he is open to the idea of the Bears trading down from that number one pick in the draft and what that could bring you. Now, you mix in all of that with still where we stand on this whole potentially the free agent thing. So we're going to know long before uh, free agency officially starts where you can't tamper, right? It's kind of like a gray area in there because there's stuff, there are conversations going on right now in Indianapolis. No doubt about it, about what you might be able to do or not be able to do and tampering and so on and so forth, right? Um, but March the 15th is officially the day free agency open-ups in the NFL. So you're going to start getting some answers to some questions, at least theoretically you are, about the future of Lamar Jackson in Baltimore, about Aaron Rodgers since coming out of his darkness retreat. And whether he's going to play. He's going to play for the Packers. You know, what, do you want to get traded to somebody else? Is he going to retire? Derek Carr and his whole situation. Somebody right from the get-go. Now, day one, snap him up. You know, uh, what's going to happen there? So some of those things have to start falling in line before you start thinking about, okay, the draft and would you be a team that would be willing to trade up uh, to get to number one? Hey, look, the last time the Rams... They did it in 2016. We mentioned they were the last team to do that, to trade up to get the number one pick, took a quarterback. Falcons did it years ago with Michael Vick. Um, The Rams did it in 2016 with Jared Goff. That did not work out so well. Goff was a good player. He's done well with Detroit, but the Rams won the Super Bowl once they shipped him off and brought in Stafford. Uh, Yeah, that's... It's tough because, not to go off on a tangent here, but Goff made it to the Super Bowl. And, I mean, it's not his fault that his top top guy, his top offensive player gets hurt and Todd Gurley, and they just – That's right. But 
regardless, uh, we've got Liam in here. I don't know if we do to, to move on to to our NKUR Norseman here. Well, you didn't even know that they had a baseball team, Casey. <laughs> and you are a Northern Kentucky University alum. Uh, on very short notice, guys, great job to line up. Liam McFadden Ackman. Liam, good morning. How you doing, man? I mean, what a day, what a weekend. How in the world are you feeling right now? It's got to be even hard to believe, right? You played a lot of baseball, never anything like that, I'm guessing, right? No, it's definitely been a uh, pretty busy 24 hours. You know, phone's been blowing up, but uh, it's definitely a good feeling. So tell me some of the people who, who have been reaching out to you besides just family and friends. I mean, have you had people like from, you know, Fox News and CNN and whoever else trying to reach out to you for the dude or ESPN that hit two grand slams in one inning? Yeah, uh, ESPN reached out last night after the game, uh, which was pretty cool. Um, and some other like local news outlets have uh, contacted me about doing interviews and stuff. So it's a pretty surreal experience, but uh, I'm enjoying it for sure. What's, what's the coolest one you've done besides off the bench with Tom Brenneman? But what is the coolest one that you have done? I mean, were you actually on ESPN? Did you do the interview already? What? Yeah, I was on ESPN last night. That was that's kind of a dream come true. You know, growing up, uh, being involved in sports, you always dream about being on ESPN and that so. That coming true last night was pretty uh, pretty cool. Liam, where are you from? I'm from Mason, Ohio. Oh, you are, are so you went to Mason High School? I did, I did. That's a big-time baseball program. I mean, you guys had it going on. You could never get over the hump. I kept <laughs> waiting for you guys to kind of win that thing and beat Moeller or beat somebody, but you always had great teams up there and obviously great facilities. Why Northern Kentucky? They just gave you the chance to continue playing? Yeah, they took a chance on me, and it's uh, – close to home my family can come watch me play and it just felt like home the environment and what the coaches set up and what the culture they've built it's pretty special all right walk me through now you guys are taking on western michigan and look historically speaking the mid-american conference plays pretty doggone good baseball so i mean this isn't like all of a sudden you know you're hitting you know two grand slams in the same inning against just anybody so so walk me through uh, I, I, I'm guessing you've hit a grand slam at some point in time in your career before at some level of baseball, but you walk up for the first time and walk me through the situation of the first grand slam. Yeah, so um, come up to the plate, not trying to do too much. Definitely wasn't trying to hit a home run, just trying to get score the guy at third, you know, put a ball in the outfield or just a single or something to get the guys going. Cause I think at the point we were down a run I think they scored in the first inning. So uh, wasn't trying to do too much and got my pitch and drove it out. So, okay. So that's that we have video of this. Is that what we have we, here? We do. We do. Okay. Is this the first one we have coming up? The first grand slam or you don't know what you, it's the whole highlight. Package. Northern Kentucky whole... kind enough to send it over. It was a beautiful day out there, by the way, yesterday. You can't ask for much better than that over at uh, Bill Laker baseball complex in Highlands, Kentucky. Um, have you ever hit two grand slams in a game, period? Forget the same inning. Ever in a game? Never, never, never have done that, that's for sure. Did you know that that is not – did you know who the last player to do that was? That, that, I mean, maybe in a minor league game. But in a major league game, that was Fernando Tatis Sr., not junior. Yeah, it's definitely uh... – I've been informed that Tatis had done that, but I, uh, in the moment, I didn't really know. 
but it's pretty uh that's pretty cool fact to know so what what year are you in over there liam at northern kentucky i'm a junior okay so you came in if i'm not mistaken you came in hitting uh, you know i mean you just got started and the weather's been up and down and all that kind of thing off to a slow start is power your game being a good hitter your game is it a surprise that you would hit two home runs in a game much less two grand slams in an inning I wouldn't say I'm a like known as a power guy. I think more just a solid hitter. Um, just got some good pitches to hit. And that's just kind of been something I've been working on, getting stronger in the weight room and kind of pro- progressing my game in that area. So it's good to see that my hard work's been paying off. You end up getting five hits and six at bats, which was cooler. You knock in ten runs, which was cooler: the two grand slams in an inning or hitting for the cycle. You know, I don't know. I think it's pretty special for the both of them. I mean, and having it in the same game is pretty crazy. I still haven't been able to really um, digest that yet. But I don't know. I, I think they're both special in their own part. So I don't know. I don't think one's more impressive than the other. What kind of team you got over there at NKU this year? We got a solid squad, that's for sure. Uh, we're off to a good start. Um, I think we're 5-1. and one, uh, But... We got a good group of guys, that's for sure. Um, we've had we had a bunch of new guys this year, and we have gelled incredibly. Um, we talk about Mudita, and that's like being happy for the success of other people and your and your teammates, and that is at an all time high right now. The energy, the dugout, um, it's pretty. It's something that I've never been a part of uh, to this magnitude. It's pretty special. What's a word you just used? Where does that come from? Modita? Is that what you said? Modita. It's M-U-D-I-T-A, I I believe. Um, Okay. To be honest with you, I don't know the origin of it, but that's something our coaching staff, uh, we talk about and uh, we get pretty bought into. I got to look this up while I got you on here. Modita. Okay. Buddhist. Buddhist. Wow. Sanskrit. Mindful technology. Right? Okay. All right. It uh, means joy, especially uh, sympathetic or vicarious joy or the pleasure that comes from delighting in other people's success. Liam, maybe more than anything in the world, you taking the time to join us here today. Your two grand slams in an inning. You hitting for the cycle. You have enlightened people who need a lot of enlightening. People that are roughly your age. People like... Um, Casey McAllister, and Paul Fritchner. Fellas, you're roughly his age. Anything you'd like to ask him before we let him go? Because I'm sure he has to get to class. Casey. Uh, you know, I could never do that. No, 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 <laughs> I could never hit a grand slam as much as I would. Boy, there's to. breaking news. <laughs> Hands up. Could never try. I could never do it. I could never hit. Um, so I just want to say congrats. That's awesome. Norse up. <laughs> Getting the pub out there. I love that you're on ESPN. Um, thank you for joining the show. It's been fun having you on. Um, Mudita. I'm going to use that. Yes, you should. <laughs> you gonna, should. You I'm need to find joy in others. Paul, yeah. anything? Peanut uh, gallery over there? Yeah, I, I know, Liam, I know you're probably seeing my Xavier hoodie. I know you guys play <laughs> each other tomorrow night or tomorrow afternoon, right? I think tomorrow afternoon. Um, I, I broadcast for Xavier, so I don't, I don't know. Do you guys, do you guys play at uh, at Xavier this year? I don't think you do, right? I think it's just the one tomorrow at, in Highland Heights. 
Uh, yeah, I think or I'm actually not sure. Last year, yeah, I, I, I think room. it is. I think it's just the one. But anyway, Liam, I, I just got to ask in that highlight in the second on the second Grand Slam, it looked like you guys were were you not sure the ball was going over the fence or or what happened in that second highlight? Because I didn't see the all I saw was that highlight. So it kind of looked like you hesitated going around first, and then somebody got caught up right before second. Did something happen there? Yeah, it was a bit of a wall scraper. We didn't know if it was going to get out or not. <laughs> Um, so yeah, off the bat, I didn't know how to watch it and make sure it went out. So that's, uh, what you saw there. Well, it's really exciting stuff. And Liam, I know you got a lot going on and, and, uh, we just thank you for on short notice, taking the time to, uh, to join us. Congratulations, young man. Sincerely. That's a day in your life. I know you're never going to forget. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me guys. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Great to have him with us here today. What a day by Liam McFadden Ackman. How about that? Two grand slams, one inning. Yeah. Hits for the cycle, drives in 10. He's like Scooter Jeanette. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. I mean, I just. So will you be broadcasting the baseball game tomorrow? No, I won't. That's at NKU. I don't do the road games. You I just won't. do the home game. Yeah, I will not. That's why I was hoping maybe I'd see him down the road. They usually try to play each other a couple times a year, but I guess this year it's just at NKU. Um, Alexandria says Casey can't even hit a home run on Wii Sports. <laughs> That's your fiance, for those who don't know. See, Ouch. she should be practicing Mudita. Celebrating joy with others and their success. She should be celebrating rather than tearing you down, Casey. Celebrating the idea of you hitting a home run or one day hitting a home run on Wii Sports. Yeah, maybe we should do some event, just like the, the river that you're going to swim with with uh, Reed, yep. Little Miami, or is it Great Miami? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Great Miami. The Great Miami. Yes. Maybe one day we'll get out there, we'll get a, a pitch machine, the, the, the ball that spits out, whatever, and I'll just go out there and try <laughs> to hit a home run. machine? Yeah. 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 And I'll just try to hit a home run. We'll see if I can do it. Take you to, we'll take you to the batting cage, Casey. We'll, we'll get Reed out there. We'll take you to the batting cage. We'll have a good time. Yeah, I just can't wrap my head around two in the same inning because, I mean, it, I remember, I forget who it was. Somebody, um, it, was a, it was a while ago, one of the Nationals players hit two in the same game, and that's a big deal. I mean, you, you hit one grand slam, that's a big deal. You hit two in the same game, that's a huge deal. Two in the same inning, that's unheard of. And, you know, I actually did hit a Grand Slam. Uh-oh. I did. Want to know how? How, Casey? Because I bagged my fiance. Ah, uh, there it is. There it is. There it is. <laughs> Speaking of the great Miami River, because uh, I guess um, Reed and I are going to swim across it at some point in time. Mm -hmm. Yep. And I was curious because when you said Little Miami River, I live right next to the Little Miami River. And it's not deep enough to swim in, the Little Miami. I mean, you're lucky to ride a canoe down that thing, depending on when you do it or, a, you know, whatever it might be, without scraping the bottom. Near the dam up here, the Great Miami is at 10 feet. But near the High Main Street Bridge over here, which is, I'm assuming, where Reed wants to go, Right? The average depth is four feet. 
4.4 to be precise. Swimmable. But you could probably stand across is what you're saying. Just no, I'm saying you could easily swim. At four point, if it's four and a half feet deep, you can easily swim across four and a half feet. Easily. Easily. So we'll have to make sure we get out there maybe after a, a day or two of heavy rain in the summer months where it's a little bit deeper than that and get cruising. I wonder if you can see with goggles on underneath the water in the Great Miami. Oof. Probably not. Probably not. Yeah. I'm going to guess probably not. I wouldn't. Probably not. I wouldn't put money on it. If okay. I were a betting man. All right. We got about 15 minutes left here, fellas. Uh, what, if anything, would be on your mind, whether it be um, it might. By the way, Paul, I've been meaning to tell you. Yeah. You know, my wife went out of town down visiting our daughter at TCU in Fort Worth, Texas. So my main man, Lukey, and I were home for the whole weekend. Uh, I mentioned that I've given up alcohol for Lent. Yes. Okay, so made it through the first weekend here, no problems. Even went to a big going-away party, about 35 guys, big fire pit, everybody having a few cold cocktails and beers. I was drinking Pawnee water. Actually had a bottle of Pawnee water. Nice. No, No beer, no alcohol, you know. I, I wish I was having a beer, but I wasn't. Okay. But what I'm ultimately getting at here is you were on me about watching Breaking Bad. Yeah. Okay. Three seasons in. Ooh. Thoughts? Thoughts? Unreal show. No doubt about it. But, man, you know, I, I, I mean, it, it is a depressing show. Oh, yeah. It's a depressing show. You know, and I mean, I remember Sons of Anarchy. There'd be a lot of them where I, you know, I'd watch that one. Uh, Didn't feel so much like that. Don't feel like that at all when I'm watching you Yellowstone or some of those others. Certainly not, you know, the much lighter side of things. A show that's very entertaining. Ted Lasso, whatever it might be. Breaking Bad is, I mean, every episode. This guy is in some deep trouble. Yeah. Right? He is. Or his buddy Jesse is in some deep trouble. Yeah. Oh, it's a fantastic show, but every, every episode you're thinking to yourself, what's going to go wrong this time? And you're, you're, you're on the edge of your seat. You're a little anxious. See, that's what I told you before, and you told me no. I told you that guys that I would pick their brain, right, and I'd ask them, the guys that watch a lot of TV, and I'm not a, a, a lot of TV guy, yeah. uh, but, but I do like good shows. Um, Sopranos, you know, on and on and on, like everybody else, The Wire. But, 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 but guys that had watched that show told me that, you know, it, it really makes you anxious watching that show. And so I was by myself a lot this weekend because my son has lacrosse practice every night till 9 o'clock. He comes in, he's going to bed, he's up and at him again the next morning, off and running around. One free nights he gets, he's out with his buddies and hanging out and blah, blah, blah. And so I'm, I'm at home by myself a lot, me and the two dogs. They're not much interested in Breaking Bad. But, I mean, you, you do find yourself, like you said, it's a little... Oh, it's tense. Yeah, I mean, very anxious moments. I, I, I agree with you on the depressing thing to the point where I gave up watching The Walking Dead. I couldn't do The Walking Dead anymore. I got through the first probably two seasons of that, and it was a good show, but just the death and the constant negativity, I just... I mean, I, you see me wear my positive vibes only hoodie. I, I just I couldn't I couldn't take the just constant beat down all the time. 
on uh, on that. But I I like Breaking Bad. I, I I didn't find it so much depressing as I found it anxiety riddled with how much you just go through every single show um, and you think to yourself, man, I don't know what's going to happen here, but somehow Walter White's going to screw something up and then it's just going to get worse and worse. And the one thing that I really like about Breaking Bad is that they don't send you off on these wild goose chases to elongate the show. Like it, it's a five season show, but a lot of times, sometimes when you get into like season three or four of a show yeah, and, yeah. and you, you start to find yourself you know, especially in like adventure shows or something like that, you'll get to the point where nothing really ever connects with something else. I mean, I don't know if... Well, the only episode I watched that was trash over the weekend was the one, The Fly. Oh, so, okay. I was glad. I was waiting for you to get to that. So... That, I mean, that was just trash. No, so people either... You either love that episode or you hate that episode. You, you are either a massive fan of that. That was a very, very... I could see where it would be one of those where you get into people that think there's all kinds of symbolism and yeah. all you know, this, this well, deep stuff going on. That that show, that show in like popular culture of TV culture is a very, uh oh, oh my god, get this, cut to this. This is me and you, Casey. Oh no. <laughs> this is me and you. Oh no. I did this too, Tom. There we go. It goes in there. Yeah. That's the microphone. Thank you very much. This is like uh, changing a light bulb. So you used to be able to tell jokes about telling a light bulb, changing a light bulb. You can't do that anymore. Comedy's dead. <laughs> Comedy is dead. So you were out on the fly. It was awful. Okay. I mean, just terrible. You liked it? I thought it was awesome. Yeah. But now, you know, the other show. Now, this is the one you young people are into. I don't want to throw a blanket over all of you. But my son is just infatuated with Outer Banks. Oh, I was up till 5 a.m. Saturday. Watched oh the whole, whole show in one sitting. <laughs> Pretty much. I couldn't turn it off. I used to work in the Outer Banks every summer as a kid growing up. Lived with my grandparents down there. Working in a grocery store from the time I was about 13 years old. And I worked there every summer all the way through college. And I love the Outer Banks. I've never watched that show. But my son swears, and obviously you're in on it. Oh, yeah. Dialed in? I thought it was great. It's just, you have to take it with a grain of salt. Like, it's objectively, like, it's not a great show. But it's just, like, a fun teen kind of thing. I like, I like it, but if you're going to tell me that you hate it, I'm not going to sit here and argue with you. I got through, like, maybe halfway through the first season, and then we just stopped watching it. it just... The first season was great because it, it happened right at, when COVID happened. So it was it was peak COVID, and you were sitting in your house doing nothing. The second season was kind of bad. This third season I liked a lot better than the second season, but it should have ended. They're gonna do it for a fourth season. The way the third season ended, it should have just show should have just ended. But what is gonna... dark? I've never heard of that. Okay, don't know. All right. Well, you know, we, we've been trying to uh, incorporate uh, uh, from time to time just some of the things, getting away from sports and everything a little bit. Uh, incorporate uh, Everett says it's the best show ever oh it, it's on breaking okay all right all right all right uh, jolly jolly out in California says the outer banks is to the youngins as Ooh. he says 
what Yellowstone is to us oldies. When are that's, we getting? When, the there is no way that's, that's on true. the that's on the money. Both are. Oh, bad. you're going to agree with him because he's from Hamilton. And his, if he and, wasn't from Hamilton, you'd call him a clown. Not only do I agree with him, because it is true, they're both soap operas, bad plots. It's just it's just minutia is what it is. What is? Outer Banks okay. and Yellowstone. Okay. Both of them. They're, 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 they're soap operas, Tom. But you're right. I do also agree with Jolly Jolly because not only is he from Hamilton, but his family makes the best conies and root beer that <laughs> his family does. Oh, yeah. Jolly's. There's two root beer stands here in Hamilton. Only open in the summer or all yeah. year? They just opened. Really? Yeah. Well, they they're they they're not they're they've been here for a long time. Yeah. They just, just opened for, for the, the season, summer. They for the just season. season. Yep. Oh, they yes. just opened last week. To be clear. And so they're open all the way through the fall, something yeah. one of those deals. Yeah. We have a little joint like that around. And so you get conies. Conies. Ice cream. What? Yeah, they got root they beer got floats. Root beer floats. Root beer floats. Absolutely. Well, to go over, is it close to here? Pretty close. Yeah, there's one within a mile. From All right, when well, the weather area. warms up a little bit, we'll go over there and Absolutely. do that. For sure. Love that idea. But there's no way. I mean, there's no way Outer Banks is like Yellowstone. I mean, come on, Yellowstone, we're talking about the big leagues here. This <laughs> I, is the big leagues. This is Kevin Costner, for God's sakes. I think, and Beck, my kind of gal, Beck. I think the point he's making is that objectively they're not well, <laughs> that they're not great shows. They don't. They're, it, it's not necessarily fantastic art or anything like that. It's just easy to watch, entertains you, keeps the pace moving, yeah. decent characters. But you know you're not watching an all-time great show while you're watching it. You're just you're in on the storylines. Okay. So it's like a soap opera. Okay. And Jolly Jolly, by the way, said uh, that his family will cater a lunch for us sometime over here. How about that? There we go. Now we're talking. Now we're talking. Jolly Jolly. Have you watched Full Swing? Full Swing. No. Netflix. No? Anybody? What was it about? Paul? No. What's yeah, it about? I that's my next one. I'm doing that hopefully tonight. Full swings, just a, the golf documentary. And oh, followed, my son started watching it the other night. Says what, it's fantastic. Anime. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I my favorite, and I I did what Paul did. I just plowed through them all, binged them for the most part. And the Joel uh, Damon, I think that's how you say his last name, right? Anyway, that one's the best. I won't ruin it, but that's the best episode that I found just based off of the humor. And is that the one the where the guy, my dad and I and my son went, we went, went, went to breakfast yesterday morning. Is that the one where the guy takes off his shirt? Yes. Okay. They yes. were talking about it yesterday. He's a guy that I guess has been asked a question before about, you know, are you ever going to win a major? And he's like, nope, never going to win one. But he's made like 12 or 14 million bucks over his career or something like that. Yeah. At least that's what they said at breakfast yesterday. Is that, that right? That episode chronicles all that pretty pretty well. And I was I was joking uh, with my wife as we were watching it. It's that it's just this weird psychological thing that some people do to where they they deep down probably think that they could win, but they find the humor in just saying that they can't. And then on top of that, I was joking with her because he comes off like he doesn't really want to give it everything he's got. He understands the commitment it would take to possibly being the best he could be. And I feel like there's this weird phenomenon with certain people that I've even played with in the past. And what he was trying to say was, I, I, this is what I said to my wife, I want to get your guys' opinion. I think he's scared to work as hard as he can. Because he's he's a little fearful that if he did do that, he still wouldn't be the best. So he just hide behinds. And now this is getting kind of into the weeds on okay. this. But he kind of hides behind the idea. 
that oh, it is what it is. If I tried real hard, maybe I could be the best, but I don't really care. I think there are a lot of people like that in life. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, he, he seems to have a great attitude about it, right? Where did he take off his shirt? Him and another guy did it, You're right? You're old. You're 16th old. 16th hole at Phoenix Open. Yeah, that he did. Right? Okay. All right. Box lunch coming up here. Oh, by the way, do we have a... Um, oh, I sent it to you, Casey. I would, lo- I would love your thoughts on this, Casey. All right, Tom. You know, the other thing I want to see is this thing. Brian brings it up because I heard him talking about it during the uh, Kentucky game the other night. I don't watch much of the SEC network, but apparently they have this SEC uh, history of basketball uh, that's on right now. Oh. Uh, which I hear is unbelievable. I mean, we're going back to, you know, way back before the Pistol Pete Maravich at LSU. And, and the one the other night, and I had brought up his name to you, Paul, the other day, and we were just talking about, um, you know, radio broadcast. And, and, and Jack Goose Gibbons, former number oh, yeah. one pick um, in the NBA out of the University of Kentucky, he was being highlighted. So they were, you know, showing him on the sideline doing the UK game on the radio that he was highlighted in the most recent version of that SEC uh, basketball special. That's something I definitely want to check out. Okay, we have a uh, UDF cherry on top. We do. I don't know if you saw this clip or not, and I hope you didn't uh, because I'd love your- I'm sure I've not. I would love to see your live reaction to this, but this was a very viral clip uh, from Saturday afternoon. This is Iowa head coach Fran McCaffrey uh, in one of the most bizarre- stare downs with an official I have ever seen in college basketball. You see this sometimes in Major League Baseball, but I have no idea. This is a great camera shot. What is what is, what does Fran think is going to happen here? You see his player come over and tap him. Fran takes a couple steps, then the ref takes a couple steps. They stare at each other, they don't say a word, and then Fran walks away. What does he think is going to happen there? You're not going to swing on each other. No, but he's just letting him know that you stink, your call stink. And let's get it together. And he didn't have to say a single word. Bizarre. Good for him. They say he's a fascinating guy. There was some article that was written about him recently, and I did not go and read it, but I'm going to dig it up tonight. Um, About, you know, about his whole makeup and his whole kind of deal. I don't know much about him. I know he's a good basketball coach. They played good basketball in Iowa. They have for a long, long. They'll make the tournament, right? Iowa? Yeah, they should. Did, did you guys talk about that comeback? Thing. Talk about the Iowa comeback? No, we did not talk about it. Is One that th- the best comeback in college basketball history? Uh, it's up there, right? I, mean, I don't like, even know it's the best comeback over the weekend. Florida State. They were down 13 points. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, With yeah. a minute yeah, 30 right. to you're go. Right. You're right. And Michigan State scored 10 points in that final minute 30. They yeah. scored 10 points. Yeah. Like it, they just kept hitting threes. Yeah. Which goes back to the point that we and you talked about the other day, Paul. When the announcers say you need a quick two, yeah, you actually need a three. Anytime, I mean, that's yeah. what you need to do to get back into a game when you're down late. I'm so tired of hearing color guys. Quick two. Get, get a quick two. It's like, okay, you get a quick here. two. They inbound the ball to their 88% free throw shooter. He goes down, he makes two, and when you're done, lost 10 seconds. Yeah. I have to take my chances on trying to hit three threes in a row and then tie the game on, on no matter what the other team does. And Huggy got jobbed on Saturday per <laughs> usual in Lawrence, <laughs> oh, Kansas. Right. I mean, that's, there's a real surprise. They pay him as you come in. They're, they come believe in the me, house. and that whole thing last week, we oh, didn't even get a God. chance. Playing that Big 12 tournament every year in Kansas City is an unmitigated joke. Joke. Mm. 
UC will be there this time next year, boys. Kansas City, here we come. They'll be the one seed. <laughs> I know where we're going if we're going back to Kansas City. Yes, we are. <laughs> All, right. All right, boys, box lunch. What do we got coming up today, fellas? Got lots going on. Yeah. We're going to talk quickly about uh, McFadden Ackman yep. and the fact that that statistically, we were talking outside the office, what are the statistical chances of that ever even not only happening, but what are the odds of even getting the opportunity of hitting yeah. of hitting two grand slams in the same inning? You come up, not only do you have to come up twice in the same inning, but you have to come up twice at the bases loaded. That's right. And then you have to hit two home runs, yeah. which is just seems is uh, we don't we'll never know. But I guess the the question of the day was: Are the odds of that happening greater than hitting the Powerball? It's a good question. You guys are all the gambling derelicts it, around here, degenerates. College, not probably you guys know not. All the odds. It's happened one time in MLB history, and there's been what? Over 10,000 baseball games? I mean, there's yeah. 15 oh, times that. 162 every year since they've had 30 teams. And he hit for the years. cycle. And he hit for the cycle. Yeah, then he hit which for is the just cycle. like, that's almost something that gets pushed to the background, which is an incredible achievement in and of itself is no the cycle. So not only did he hit two grand slams in the first inning, he turns around and finds a way to get a triple, double, and a single. And, and, for those and, and thank you guys that. for getting him lined up. That was great stuff. Casey, Paul, thank you. Thank you, Tom. No problem, Tom. All right, fellas, it's time for box lunch. Guys, take it away. Off the bench starts right now. Thanks, Tom. Well, uh, box lunch starts now. What did I if say? you want to do off the bench again, we can. We got Believe another hour People are worn ass hour. out. They're tired of this show. They're ready for box lunch right now. Have a great day. Stick around with the boys.